Hello and welcome back to the third episode of the Almost Founders podcast, where each week we dive into a practical learning experience within the world of entrepreneurship. This week's topic is how to get your first sale. What are the key factors you really need to understand in order to close your first sale? Should you, as the founder, be your own salesman and why? Our guest today is Sona Modi, founder and CEO of GoFigo, the company that turns your floor plans into photographs for property developers. She is also an ex-member of the prestigious Entrepreneur First, ex-incubator manager and startup mentor at Virgin. Remember, this is a recording of a live event followed by a 40 minutes Q&A, so if you'd like to ask questions directly to our next guest through Zoom, you're more than welcome to follow us on social media and Eventbrite at Entrepreneurs of City. Learn today, use tomorrow. Hello everyone and welcome back to another podcast of Almost Founders. Today, we will speak about the step that takes your work from a project to a business, sales. With us today is Sona Modi, founder and CEO of GoFigo. Hey Sona, it's great to have you here. Could you please tell us a bit about yourself, your past, present and future? Sure. Hi, uh, thanks for inviting me. Um, so I um, began my career as a consultant, so a brand and product strategist for a innovation consultancy. So clients were big global FMCG uh, businesses such as Nestle, Diageo, uh, Samsung, that sort of thing. And then I moved and worked for about three years at a venture capital fund who had a um, in-house incubator, which I ran. So the role of the incubator was to generate ideas for tech-enabled startups. Uh, we were sector agnostic, but then we um, eventually became more strategic about how we invested. So we we narrowed down on insure tech, uh, health tech, um, and fintech. Um, that was three years of ideating businesses, uh, writing investment decks, pitching for funding, hiring a CEO for that business, and helping that business go to market and launch. Um, after doing that, um, I decided I'd quite like to do something of my own. So I did the Entrepreneur First um, Incubator Program. Uh, I was cohort number 10. Uh, so what Entrepreneur First do is that they get a group of about 100 people a couple of times a year. 50% uh, of those will be business backgrounds and 50% will be uh, technical backgrounds. And your, your objective is to partner up and come up with a business idea and they give you money to do the program as well as investment if you're successful. Um, they're quite deep tech focused. I didn't get investment there, but I, then, I, I then did the, another incubator called Antler, which also operates in London, uh, but I did the Stockholm cohort. Um, and from there, I got investment for my business. And my business is GoFigo. What we do is we take floor plans and we make them into photographs of how a space will look when it's finished. So our clients are property developers selling properties off plan. It could be um, property developers or architects or individuals wanting planning permission. Um, and it could be architects wanting to visualize um, office spaces or, or their designs in order to pitch them and sell them or interior designers wanting to do the same thing. Okay, thank you. Let's get right to it then. The questions we want to answer today are what value do I provide to my customers? 
who even are my customers? And finally, how do I sell to them when they have no idea who I am? The first question, what value do I provide to my customers, is tackling the value proposition, which is the value a company promises to deliver to its customers. Now, before you finish your final product, how can you find out what exact value the customer is seeking from your product? So, so what we would usually do is if we have a, um, a business that we've got investment for, uh, we, we normally have like a very high level idea of, of, of the problem that we're solving. But I think that you have to get much deeper than that. So, for example, um, I worked with Laundrap to help them understand who their first target customer is. Uh, Laundrap is an online dry cleaning and uh, laundry delivery system. So you, you say, I need my clothes washed and dry cleaned. They come pick it up and they take it away and then they deliver it back to you. Um, and so they thought, there's two ways of doing it. There's one way of doing it that before you've built anything, you get a, a clear idea who your target customer is. And that's what, you, that's what most startups do because they have a limited marketing budget. If you have a very big marketing budget, you can start broad and start putting it, testing it in the market and see the kind of feedback you're getting. But a much more streamlined approach is to, to do your research up front. So for example, with Laundrap, what we did was we broke down their customer uh, targets and said, who could it potentially be? Now they thought that it, their customer could be people who are disorganized and people who had let their dry cleaning and laundry build up. Um, and so that they wanted an emergency button built into the app that, you know, come pick up my laundry straight away. And they were messaging all around, you know, people who hate chores, you know, love life, hate laundry, use laundrap, that sort of thing. But actually, well, when we actually um, went back and did a lot of the research that they could have done upfront, um, was that we broke it down and said, well, who could it be? It could, well, it could be young couples living apart who live out of their bags. It could be parents of very young children who constantly need, uh, you know, have their washing machine on. It could be, um, you know, people who have a lot of dry cleaning done, like city professionals. Having, having spoken to a few people in all of our identified customer segments, we started finding out kind of themes and in feedback. So working parents said, well, actually, it's just more convenient to actually do all of the laundry ourselves because of the fact that, uh, you know, if, if I have to wait for you, I have to make sure that I'm in at a certain time every week. Young couples living apart said the same reason. They, they never knew where they were going to be at a certain time. So waiting at home for their laundry was actually not that useful at all. The first target customer they had been getting were uh, techies. So they thought that their target customer might be techies, but actually this target customer were already looking, already look for new ways of doing stuff. They look for new app enabled, uh, you know, novel ways of using technology to do stuff. They were going to find them anyway, but their core target customer were actually city professionals who actually didn't want an emergency button at all. They wanted something which was uh, fit into their highly scheduled lives so that you would they'd pick up their laundry maybe every Monday at 8 a.m. or 7 a.m. Um, and so instead of emergency button, it was about scheduling better. You can just auto reoccur. Um, and the messaging to them was that, you know, we want to, um, 
we get our, 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 our laundry and dry cleaning done because we want to look professional. And we think that looking professional and having nicely ironed shirts directly feeds into our professional success. So, so by, by understanding your customer, you can build your product and your, build your messaging far more effectively to try and reach out to that target customer just by, by taking a broad view to begin with and having as many conversations with as many potential customers as possible before you even start building anything. So it's not you and your team working on a project in isolation. It's rather a dialogue not just when it comes to the value proposition, but also when you're finding your target market. But why do you think so many startup founders fail to speak to their customers? Are they too busy creating something to take the time to find out if what they're creating is actually valuable to someone? I, I'm not sure why they would do that. I think that, um, I think that there are probably various answers to it based on the different types of entrepreneur that there, you know, that, that exist. I think that, when you're, um, I, th I think some people are very perhaps technical, um, fall in love with the with the uh, the solution rather than the problem that they're solving. I think that um, uh, people might enjoy building something so much that they almost don't want to get distracted by by um, um, kind of reaching out to the customer. But it's a bit like um, trying to uh, draw a portrait without looking at the subject. So I, I, I don't know why so many people do it, but it's a, it's a problem that exists. And that's why um, so many people never reach product market fit. According to Techstars, missing product market fit is actually the number one reason why startups fail. Now, let's get to the next question. I have my value proposition. I have my target market. In the testing phase, we have probably offered my product for free or even paid the testers. Now, how can I go out and actually make people pay for a product from a company that no one has ever heard anything about? The, the way I got my first customers was, um, I had done a couple of free trials with, with friends, um, property developers and architects. And um, I think when you first enter the market, you want to, you, you don't want to scale up straight away and say, oh, great, I've got 100 customers in the first month because uh, things could go horribly wrong. I think in your first couple of months, you want to take a really high touch and a highly personalized approach. So, for example, um, um, one is to um, get, your, get your existing customers you've done free trials with to recommend you to others. Um, Another example is that um, what I did was that I just rang around lots of different customers. I'd basically, I'd found a bunch of property developers on house, H-O-U-Z-Z. -Z. I'd scraped all of their uh, websites to get the phone number and the email address. And actually I started calling them up um, and having conversations with them and seeing if I could, it was, it was partly, some of the conversations were trying to get feedback and some were trying to sell and just seeing what approach worked, worked best. Um, and I learned a lot during those phone calls. But an, another thing I did was I also wrote to a lot of them, really highly personalized emails. You've kind of won them over anyway because all they're used to getting is automated emails. So by kind of writing them to say, hi, Helen, I've seen these properties on your website. They've got the externals, but you've got no internal images I've noticed. 
Is that something that we can help you with? Um, by the time that you've taken this, you know, personalized approach, you, you know what they need, you know how you're going to solve it for them. Hopefully you can demonstrate that you, you're, you're going to solve their problem, basically. So everything you do from then on is to try and demonstrate to this client how you're going to solve their problem. And for me, after that, they started paying for it. I, I charged my first customers uh, a lot less and I was refining my um, pricing model um, pricing upwards and playing around with it until I got to a price point where um, I've got uh, fairly consistent success. What you have just described is called the CEO treatment. While you have a handful of customers, you should treat every single one of them like a CEO. Personalize your messaging, custom create solutions for their exact problems and make them love you. Now, going back to your experience, do you think the entrepreneur with all her passion and product knowledge is the right person to be the first salesperson? Um, no, because I'm an introvert and I, the idea of getting on the phone and calling these people up made me want to have a heart attack. Um, but, um, I, but, I, but at the same time, I would say I was the only person who should have done it at that phase because by, um, by working um, on selling, you're face to face with your customer and you learn a lot. Um, and and you, you get to understand what are the questions they're asking you. You can read their kind of expression when they're hesitating or whether, when they're, you know, sounding really excited about something. You get their reaction when you've posted them an image that you've done that, you know, there's a sort of wow factor. Or you get their disappointment if you've made a mistake. So you, you kind of, you get a real understanding of, of, of your customer on a much more deep level. So therefore I would say in the really early days, it's paramount that you, you get in front of your customer yourself. But I think um, maybe later on, probably leave it to a professional. <laughs> there are a million talks out there with entrepreneurs speaking about what they have and haven't learned at business school. And the first answer is always sales. And why do you think that is? Does this just mean that sales can't be learned or is it too complicated to teach? I think that um, selling is, well, so I worked at Hanbury Parks and Dominic Parks, who's a great salesman, once told me that the art of selling is to make buying easy. And I think that that, that is a process, an end-to-end -end process of buying. One is that you really, really understand um, your customer, you understand their problems, you've given them an opportunity, but, but this last bit of sort of following up and closing, it is, it is really complicated because there is a million and one, it depends on your business. First of all, you've got different sales lead times. You've got different problems that you're solving for mine. It, it feels fairly straightforward, but then if I look at it from a marketing perspective, from the moment they've clicked on a Facebook ad to the, to the moment I convert, there are things that I have to identify and optimize. So that I think that it's a, it's a, it's nowadays, it's a, um, it's something that, that covers everything from marketing, quick follow-up, um, how you close, how you build that process, how it all works together that I think it covers different, I think it covers different disciplines. Therefore it's, it's hard to teach it by itself. I have some sales work experience and I remember looking at my really successful coworkers and I would just think to myself, wow, these men and women are born sales salespeople. 
And I learned later on that all of them spent a ridiculous amount of time testing different approaches. In some sense, it goes against human nature. When we try to do something, we just immediately assume that it's the way to go. When something doesn't work out, we believe it just needs more practice. But the truth is that before you try to improve a method, you need to find out if it will genuinely work. And the only way to get there is to test different approaches. As a final question, when it's not selling, how do I know if it's the salesperson or the product? My answer is always research. Go, go, and, go and test it out some more. So um, is there a reason why it's not so? Mine was, um, you know, my, mine I could always get feedback that, you know, from a target potential customer, you know, can you take a look at this product? Is this something you buy? What do you already use that compares to this? Is there a reason why you're not switching over? You know, what are all of the barriers for someone to switch to your product? Identify those and figure out why is yours, is yours adding, adding anything? Is yours better? Yours has to be 10x better. It can't just be twice as good. It has to be 10 times better. Uh, it has to be really easy for them to switch uh, from theirs to yours. They've got to hear about you. You've got to figure out what are all of the potential reasons why they're not using your product. Um, so I, I would always just uh, go back and review the, the product. Okay, fair enough. So for everyone who currently has a business with salespeople or is doing sales themselves, your salespeople don't just bring you cash. They often know your customer better than anyone else and are the first people you should speak to when you try to improve your offer. And there we go with sales. This was the third episode of the Almost Founders podcast. Thank you, Sona, for sharing your experiences with us and thank you to our sponsors, City Ventures. Next up on the podcast is Gilad Gatt, CTO of Tiprings. We'll be talking about the steps to take after coming up with an idea, so make sure to tune in. If you'd like to become a member of our community, you can sign up to our website at entrepreneursofcity.com. Thank you again for listening. I'll see you next week.